So welcome to our online family. It's great to have you with us here today. We pray this message would be helpful for you. Uh, if you're ever in our area, please do come and look us up. We'd love to meet you. Church, let's put our hands together for our online family. How many of you, you've heard that saying, you know, if you keep doing the same things you've always done, you're going to get the same things you've always got. Keep doing the same stuff you've always done. You're going to get what you've always got. I mean, it's kind of not rocket science. You know, it's, it's kind of logical. It, it kind of makes sense. You're like, yeah, 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 that, that makes sense. But how many, you've kind of either got that guy or that girl in your life or, or that family member where they just don't seem to get it. They just keep doing the same thing over and over and over again, and they keep getting the same results. And sometimes it's negative results. But, but, but you're like, like, why do you keep doing what you keep doing? You, you're going to get what you've always got. Like, like I, I know people like that. In fact, I was reading the Bible the other day, and as I was looking through the Bible, you know what I discovered? There are people in the Bible like that. They, like, they just keep doing the same thing over and over and over again and getting the same result. In fact, believe it or not, there are whole nations of people that just keep doing the same thing over and over again and getting the same result. I mean, you would think, seriously, God's people, His chosen people, the Israelites, you would think if anyone's going to get it, they're going to get it. But, but, but they don't. They just keep doing the same thing again and again and again, and they get the same results. And I look at the guy and go like, guys, it's, it's not rocket science. It's not hard. You know, I mean, you think about them. What do they do? They, they discover God so that they're worshiping Yahweh and they're like, God, you're amazing. You know, we worship you. You're our God. And then a couple of weeks later, you know, they're caught up in the world and they're hearing about all these other gods and then they start worshiping all these other gods and then life starts going bad for them. It's like it's going bad. So then they realize they're like, okay. We were worshiping God, you know, it was good. And now I got caught up in all this worldly stuff. It's not going, oh, God, God, we're sorry. And we come back to God and we're worshiping God again. And you're like, yeah, they, they, they get it. But nah, sure enough, sure enough, a couple of months later, they're, they're back in the world and they're doing all this stuff. I mean, Moses, I mean, he just goes up the hill for 40 days. He comes back down and they're making fires and golden calves. I mean, 40 days and they're finding other gods. And life starts going pretty bad for them. And then they're like, ah, God. So they come back and they're like worshiping God and hallelujah, praise God. I'm like, guys, it's simple. Like, like think about it. What, what's going on? You know, two and two make four. It's like, like, it's simple. But they don't seem to get it. They don't seem to get it. Someone said this. They said, I love this. They said, the definition of stupidity, okay? Now, I didn't say this. Somebody said, the definition of stupidity is doing the same thing over and over again and thinking you're going to get a different result. Doing the same thing over and over again and thinking something's going to change. Friends, it's stupid. That's what this book, I didn't say that. It's stupid. You keep doing it. I don't know if you do this, but I, but I do this. When I'm reading the Bible, sometimes I like, I, I insert myself into the scripture, you know, into the scene. And, um, you know, when I'm reading about the Israelites and that, like I, like I put myself in their shoes and I'm like, you know, if I was an Israelite, would I be that dumb? 
Like, like seriously, would, I, I'm pretty sure I'd get it pretty quick. You know, like, like, like maybe, you know, I'd worship God and then maybe one. So, you know, if I get dragged away and I came back, I'm like, yeah, I'm pretty sure I'd get it there. My, I mean, twice most, you know, like if it happened twice, you kind of go, oh, there's a theme. There's a pattern here. You know, you're like, stay with God and it's okay. But I'm like, are we any different? Like when we think about it, we, we, we look at the Israelites and go, mate, you guys are nuts. You, you just don't get it. But are we any different? See, when I, when I was putting this together, I, I was putting it together. And, um, and as I was putting it together, God reminded me, you know, I'm looking at the Israelites going, mate, they're nuts. They don't get it. You know, how silly. And the Lord said to me, Neil, it was like, how long were you in the wilderness, you know, before you discovered me? I was like, oh, 40 years, God. I was, I was 40 before, before I realized the, the, the truth of God. And I think sometimes we're like that. We, we can just get caught up in everything else. We, we, we start off with God and then we just get caught up in all this other stuff. If we keep doing what we've always done, we'll get what we've always got. I mean... We shake our heads. We, we look at the Israelites, really, in disbelief. Like, really, guys, how can you not get it? Like, how can you not see the pattern? But sometimes I wonder whether we see the pattern. H- have we caught up? Have we got caught up in the same stuff? I, you know, like I wonder in hundreds of years' time, you know, will the church look back on us? Will they look back on this day and go, man, how come those guys never got it? How come they keep doing the same thing and over and over and they keep getting the same stuff? Did they not get it? I mean, could that be a possibility? Could that be a reality? Like, have we fallen into the same trap that the Israelites fell into? Have we fallen into the same trap that so many people in the Bible fall into? We start off so well. God is so amazing. We've had an encounter with God and we're worshiping God and He's amazing. But before long, the world's calling us. Other people are calling. We've made false gods of our own. We've made our own gods, our own, even Strava, my mountain bike buddies. You know, we've made gods of our own. Facebook, Instagram, we're consumed with all this, the gym. I'm just all about the gym. Where's God? Oh, oh, harsh word, Pastor Neil. Harsh word, Pastor Neil. But we start off so well, and then we get consumed with everything in this world. We get lured in. We get drawn into the the fast-paced world that puts all sorts of demands on us and demands things from us. And it, and it has a value system all of its own. And we start performing to the value system of the world. We get caught up in it, drawn up in it. And where's God? He somehow takes a distant second because we're so busy with everything going on. Pastor Adam last week, he, he, you know, he did a great message on decisions there. I Check it out online if you, if you didn't see it. But he talked about how busy the world is and how fast it is, and how much information is coming to us. He mentioned that in one day, 7.3 million pages will be added to the internet. In one day, every day, 7.3 million pages of information just added and added and added. 2.4 billion, 2.4 billion emails go across the, the, the ethernet, you know, into your inbox. 
Most of them want something from you or are trying to get you to sign up for something or buy something. We're just inundated with all this information. Adam said, Pastor Adam said last week, it was like um, in the next 10 years, the amount of information that will be added into society is equivalent to all of the information that the whole of human race is ever known. There's that much stuff is going to get, guys, it's just consuming. It's like, how do you keep up with it? We just get caught up in this pace of the world, performing for it, playing its games. We just get consumed in it. John 10.10, a bit of scripture for you. John 10.10, Jesus tells us the thief, speaking of our enemy, the thief, the, the ruler of this world, the thief comes to rob, kill, and destroy. There's no goodness in him. He comes to rob, kill, and destroy. Understand there is an enemy at work. There is good and there is evil, and there is an enemy out there trying to lure you away from the things of God trying to lure you away from the plans and the purposes that God has for your life. One of the main things he does is keep you busy. He will just keep you so busy that you don't have time for God. You're so busy, you're doing this and I'm doing that and I've got to, you know, I've got to beat my Strava time and all these, all these things. Sorry, man, I guys and I. Yeah, we get caught up in all this stuff and somehow, oh, you know, it's Sunday. We'll come on Sunday. We'll get, we'll get. We'll, God's time on Sunday. Jesus didn't die for Sundays, friends. He died for the whole of your life. Not just, not just a Sunday. These front boys are excited. The rest of you, you're looking at me like, oh, I don't know, Pastor Neil. See, understand this. When, you, when your life is fed with all the social media and your Facebooks and your Instagrams, when you're, you're feeding your life full of Netflix and all the TV programs, you, th- you think you're just chilling out. Life's cool, you know, da-da-da-da-da. This is good. This is just life. Friends, understand that all of that stuff is there to condition you, it's to shape your thinking, it's to desensitize you from things that were once totally immoral. But if we can just get it on the system, if we can just get it through the TV, if we can just get it through the videos, then what happens is it desensitizes, it normalizes certain behaviors that once upon a time we would say are immoral, but now it's okay because everybody is going along with the program and we're all going, oh yeah, what's well, You've been conditioned. You've been shaped. There is an enemy at work that's trying to shape you, condition you, and draw you into a world that's ruled by the ruler of this world, ruled by the enemy, not the kingdom of God. Jesus warns us the ruler of this world is out to destroy you and rob you from the purposes God has for your life. Romans 12, 2, more scripture for you because we're in church. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. When you're Conform to the patterns of the world. When you're drawn up in everything in the world, you won't see the will of God. You won't understand the will of God because you've been consumed by everything in the world. The message version of that scripture 12.2 says this. It says, 
Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit in it without even thinking. See, we don't even think about it. We just get drawn along. We just go with the program. Maybe it's not God's program. Maybe somebody else is working on the program. Maybe we're just getting drawn along with everything. It says, instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed. Seriously, you will be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what He wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. See, Jesus is clear. The thief is the ruler of this world, and he is out to destroy you. He will use everything he can in his power in this world to lure you away from what God has for you and tempt you with everything the world has to offer you. We, we, we shake our heads. Like we look at the Israelites in the Bible and we go, we'd never be that dumb. We'd never, you know, we wouldn't, we wouldn't fall into that, but we would see it. But honestly, do we? Have we just fallen into the same trap? Are we just getting drawn along with the world culture? Spencer's upset. He's leaving already. I, um, I don't know, a month or so ago, I was in a meeting it was one of those, you know, strategic vision kind of meetings and everybody's sitting around the table, nice, nice big meeting. And the, and the person that was facilitating the meeting kind of had one of those, like, you know, warm up questions that, it, that he posed. And, and he said to everybody sitting, sitting around the tables and stuff, he said, well, at the end of the day, like, like what needs to have happened for you to, to, to come home at night and go, man, I've had a successful day. It's, it's been a good day. You know, it, it's been a productive, it's been a good day. I come home and, I've, and I feel like I'm, yeah, I've, I've achieved it. So, yeah, so we asked this question and so it went around the table. The, the sort of first person that was there said, look, I'm, I'm one of these people. I, I just love to-do lists. I've, I've got these to-do lists. I'm a list person. And, and as long as I can tick off, all my to-do list items for that day, I come home and go, yeah, it was, it was a successful day. I'm feeling good. Somebody else said, look, I, I, I work on a number of projects. And so for me to come home at the end of the day and feel good is, is if I can manage to push those projects all like a, like a step further, if I can get them a little bit further, I come home and I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm feeling good. Somebody else said, look, I, I deal with a lot of communications and, and people and that. I get lots of emails. And if I, if I can get on top of my emails, if I can get my inbox to zero, hallelujah. If I, if I can do that, I come home and I, I've had a successful day. I'm like, yeah, this is all good stuff. And then, and then another person, it was their turn. And, and they said, well, for me to have a successful day, this is what needs to happen. I need to be able to get home at the end of the day and ask myself, have I heard from God today? And was I obedient to what he told me? I was like, oh, because <laughs> I'm a task guy. I'm a to-do guy. I'm a... And honestly, in that moment, I almost felt like the Lord put his hand on my, on my shoulder. <laughs> Neil, sorry, Lord. See, it's only subtle. I'm busy doing lots of good things for God. But in the process, 
I've got caught up into the patterns of the world. I've got caught up to production and tick boxes and getting this done. And I've lost sight of God in the process. Maybe here today, God's putting his finger on some things in your life right now. You know there's areas of your life that are out of step where God's, God's taken a back step. It, it might be subtle. It might be something very simple. You know, as we mature in the Lord, as we, we walk more with him, often it is. It's just fine little things. But they're little things that affect our relationship with God. If you keep doing the same things you've always done, you're going to get what you've always got. Is this okay? You're very quiet. <laughs> John 10.10, Jesus warns us. He says, you know, the enemy's coming to rob, kill, and throw. He's coming to lure you into this world, seduce you with the things of the world. But the answer is there as well. In that verse, Jesus gives us the answer. Jesus says, but I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. Not just mediocre. I've come that you may have life and have it to the full. Have it in abundance. See, despite popular opinion, Jesus didn't come to just rescue you off to heaven. It wasn't all about you getting a ticket to heaven and, oh, yeah, thank you, Jesus. I just hang around and when heaven comes, woohoo, we'll be happy. No, 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 no. That wasn't, it's good, it's good, but that wasn't his point in case you missed it. Jesus came to restore us back in relationship with God here and now. You can have a relationship with God here and now. And he restored us into that relationship so that we would live in such a way that the kingdom of God would be manifest on earth through us. That heaven on earth would be worked out through us in relationship with God. See, in the early church, when Jesus was, was ministering and he had all his disciples, if, you, if you'd said, oh, hands up, who are the Christians? No one would have put their hand up. There were no Christians. When Jesus was discipling his disciples, they were known as followers of the way. Followers of the way. Jesus was the leader of this new thing, this thing called the way. And everyone that was following him, everyone that was listening to his teachings were known to be followers of the way. See, Jesus came to bring a new way. He came to bring a whole new way. He came to bring the kingdom of God. It was it was decidedly different from the principles of the world. It was different to the culture. Everybody knew, man, this is something different. You guys are followers of the way. It's different to what we know. It's different to what the world looks like. See, Jesus called people to follow him. <laughs> it means actively having to do something, actively following him. Jesus called people to apply his teachings Jesus, Jesus taught people to go, hey, do this and it will benefit you. If you would apply what I'm teaching you, you will experience the kingdom of God. You will experience heaven here on earth. I mean, to me, that's a good thing. See, his followers to be followers, not of a worldly system, not of the cultures of the world, but they would be followers of the way. They would be followers of Jesus's teachings. They were to live life differently, think differently, behave differently. 
See, this whole issue, this whole problem of, of us getting seduced, and I'll use because sometimes it's so subtle. We don't even know we're falling into it, but, but, but we get seduced by the world. We get, we, get, we get enticed into the principles of the world, the, the values of the world. It can be so subtle. But the solution to it is found in John 7, 15. On the, in this occasion, Jesus is, is teaching all this Jewish people. He's doing this great teaching. And at the end of the teaching, he, he stops. And in John 7, 15, the, the, the people respond. They say, how is it that this man has learning, has such learning, has such knowledge? How is it this guy knows these amazing things, but he's never studied? We've never seen him study anywhere, but somehow he's, he's got these teachings. He's got this way that, is, that there's something about it. Jesus in verse 16 answers them. He says, my teaching's not mine. He's not boasting. You know, it's not all about me. Jesus is saying, my teaching is not mine, but his who sent me. See, his teaching's not of this world. His teaching's from heaven. His teaching is from the kingdom of God. His teaching is from our Father who art in heaven. These are teaching, these are principles from heaven, friends. In verse 17, he continues. He says, if anyone's will is to do God's will, if any of you would be willing to be about God's will, if any of you would be willing to just begin to apply what I'm teaching, he will know whether the teaching is from God or whether I am speaking on my own authority. The message version puts it like this. I, I, I like it. Jesus said, I didn't make this stuff up. <laughs> I love it. I didn't make this up. What I teach comes from the one who sent me. Anyone who wants to do his will can test this teaching and know whether it's from God or whether I'm making it up. A person making things up tries to make himself look good. But someone trying to honor, someone trying to honor the one who sent him sticks to the facts and doesn't tamper with reality. See, Jesus is saying reality is do what I'm teaching you, apply what I'm teaching you, and you will experience the kingdom of God. You will be changed from the inside out. The kingdom of God will come to earth through you. See, the solution Really, quite simple. Not rocket science. Stop being conformed to the patterns of this world. Stop being lured into the things of this world and start doing what Jesus taught us to do. Start applying His teaching. Start applying His commandments. If you would start to apply those things, Jesus says, you will experience the kingdom of God. Your life will be changed. You will begin to discover what life in the full is. Some of us are living mediocre lives. Because we're not applying the teachings of God. We, we come on a Sunday and we worship Him, but the rest of the week, He's just like second row back. But Jesus says, if you would apply my teaching, you will. He said, test me on it. He said, Gee, I didn't say, Jesus said, test me on this. Start applying my teaching. Start applying what I've told you to do. And you will, not you might, you will see the kingdom of God. I just get a little excited. Sorry about that. Oh, Hallelujah. See, Jesus' teachings, you all look worried. No, it's good. Jesus' teachings aren't rules and regulations. It's not, oh, I've got to do this. I've got to do that. It's not about that. 
Jesus is teaching what, he, what he's asking us to do. These are keys, the keys to unlocking the kingdom of God, the keys of opening a life that's full, a life that's abundant, a life that's full of life, the keys to releasing heaven here on earth, the keys to seeing people saved and set free. Jesus is teaching his commands of the, the pathway into the kingdom, the, the, the pathway into the full life that Jesus has for us that I believe we haven't even really stepped into yet. There's way more for us. They're the keys to unlocking your identity. They're the keys to unlocking your purpose for being on this planet. God has a purpose for you. You won't find that purpose when you're consumed with all the stuff in the world. You'll find that purpose. You'll find your fit. You'll find the life that's full and abundant when you begin to apply the teachings of Jesus and the kingdom of God will come upon you. Just saying, Jesus came to bring the kingdom of God here and now. Jesus came to set us free from being conformed by the patterns of this world so that we could experience the fullness of the kingdom, that we could experience the life he promised, life in the full. Jesus gave up his life. He sacrificed his life so that we would have a full and abundant life walking in the kingdom of God, applying his teachings. Is the life we're living worthy of the sacrifice he made? Are we living a full life empowered by God? Or are we just mediocre? We're, hey, it's okay. Friend, where are you living? Are you living life in the kingdom? Experience the freedom and the joy that God promises? Walking in the plans and the purposes He has for you? That He gave up His life for you to to, to grab hold of, to walk in? Or like so many of us, like me included, have you been lured into, into conforming into patterns in the world? Maybe it's only subtle. But have you lost sight of God? Are there things in this world, things in your life that have become more important than God? We said in the beginning, the definition of stupidity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. If you keep doing what you've always done, if you keep going down the pathway you're going down, you're going to get the same results. Trust me, this is not a message I feel nice. Oh, this is a cool message I'll preach. This is not an easy message to preach from my side of the pulpit. But I believe God told me two things. He said, ask my people, are they being conformed by the patterns of the world? And the second thing I'll share with you that he said, See, I've kept my message short today because I want to allow some time for God. Maybe the worship team can come. Adam spoke last week when he talked about decisions. He spoke about making margin, making time, making space to be able to make informed decisions, to hear, to hear from God and make decisions. A word 
that you don't hear very often these days in church, or I haven't heard it for a while, is the word repent. Repent. Repent means to turn away from what you know to be wrong and turn towards God. With people in this room today, you're, you're, you're like me. There's, there's little areas in your life that, that God's become second and other things have come first. And God's talking to you this morning. He's like, you need to repent. You, you need to make a decision. You need to make a choice to turn away from that and turn towards me. See, to repent, to truly repent is powerful, friends. There is power in it. Understand, if you've, if you've made a decision to receive God, you're, you're set free. You're saved. Your sins have been forgotten. Positionally, you are saved. But how many know, well, while we're saved, as we continue through life, we still muck up. We still, we still get things wrong. Sin still enters in our life. And that sin separates us from God. It, it affects our relationship with God. And if you've got things going on in your life, that God's speaking to you about this morning. He's speaking about those things this morning because He doesn't want you to stay in that place. And the way you get out of that place is you turn towards God. You go, God, I'm sorry about this. I, I didn't even know. Maybe you didn't even know until this minute. But you make a choice to turn. And when you, when, when you have that conviction of the Holy Spirit and you choose to turn, friend, let me tell you, there is power. God meets you in that place. As you draw near to Him, He will draw near to you. This is bigger than us. God's calling His people back to Him. There are things that have got in the way between God's people and Him, things of this world, and God's, God's doing a cleanup, friends. God, God's calling people to say, come on, come on. You need, a, you need to make a decision. You need to make, are you going to be lukewarm? Or are you going to be on fire for me? Are you, are you going to get conformed to all the things of the world? Or are you going to turn and come to me and trust me? Oh, this is in my notes. I mean, I could be wrong. Possibly am wrong. No, I don't think I am wrong, given what happened in the service before. But God's calling you. This morning, can we stand? He's calling people to repent. We, we shy away from that word, but friend, I want to tell you it's a powerful word. It's a word that will, will change your life. It's a word that will change your situation. Let me be clear. I am not talking about a salvation altar call. I'm not talking about giving your life to Jesus. I'm talking to pastors, I'm talking to leaders, I'm talking to Christians, I'm talking to non I'm talking to everybody. If you're in this place tonight and you know God's got his finger on something, he's talking to you about something. I don't know what it is. It could be big, it could be tiny. But friends, it's the little foxes that spoil the vine. It's, it's only the little things. What I want to do this morning is I'm going to open up this altar. Last service, we had heaps of people come forward and, the, and, and God's presence just filled this place. Filled it. We stepped into something we haven't stepped into before. And so I want to encourage you right now just, just to come up the front. If you know God's talking to you about it, it could be just like me. It's a simple thing. You've just got caught up in things of the world. Then this morning, just come, come up the front. Come up to the altar.
And, and we got